You're listening to the Audacious Church Podcast. This message was recorded live at our Manchester campus. We know this is a great investment into your life. So tune in, listen up and stay focused. For any more information, visit us online, audaciouschurch.com. In our At The Movie series, and we're in our last week today. Everybody say, aw. Aw, I'm here and I'm preaching on Finding Nemo. Finding Nemo. If you've been here for a while or just a minute, I wanna tell you that we're not preaching from the movies, we're preaching from the Word of God, but we're using the movies as illustrative points to show what we're trying to say and unpack in the Bible. Because how many people know the words from a fish have no power, but we're here to hear from the words of a fisher of men. Oh, come on, I'm preaching already. Why don't we go ahead and look to the screens for our Finding Nemo trailer. So good. How many people have seen Finding Nemo? Lift your hands up. What a great movie, a great family movie to watch on the way home or when you're at home today. But the overarching picture of Finding Nemo is of a fish who gets isolated and lost in the expanse of the ocean. I reckon all of us in life have had those moments where we've been lost or we've had the feelings or symptoms of having been lost. Maybe it's for you, it's been you're logging on and you've got that Zoom interview online. You're logging onto your computer, You're logging on just in time, but you can't find the Zoom link anywhere. Panic and it's lost, you've no idea. Maybe it's been, you've been out for your shop, you've been going down the aisle, picking out your dinner, it's a good day so far, and you turn around and the kids have vanished and you have no idea where the kids are and you're freaking out. We've all had those times, haven't we, where we felt lost or had the symptoms of being lost. And most of us don't wake up in the morning and make a decision to say, today I'm going to get lost. Nobody thinks that, do they? Because being lost and getting lost is a gradual drift. Micro decisions that compounded over time cause us to end up being lost and isolated, ending up in places that we never want to end up in the first place. And the danger for us today, church, is we can go on this drift journey from our most meaningful relationships in life. I wanna suggest today that our most meaningful, deepest relationship in life should be with Father God. But what happens is because of the drift, we can over time fall out of connection with our most meaningful and deepest relationship. Why does that happen? Because of challenge. The challenges of life come our way, we panic, we freak out, we grasp at straws, and suddenly in almost no time at all, we feel distant from God. Maybe it's the material world is really enticing. Oh, if I just had more of that stuff, if I just worked more hours in work, I could get that car and we could live that lifestyle. And before we know it, we have drifted from our most meaningful relationship. And I wanna suggest today, church, we can't afford to drift from the heart of God, from our most meaningful, deepest relationship that we have. 
Jesus tells the story of a young son who drifts from his most meaningful relationship with his father. It's found in Luke 15 and it's 14 verses. But I know that it's central. You guys love your Bible. Three people love their Bible. I know you guys love your Bible. So we're gonna read them verse for verse in Luke 15 verses 11 to 24 coming up on the screens. Jesus speaking, so let's listen up. He says, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. Ouch, it's a painful moment, isn't it? He's asking his dad for his inheritance while his dad's still alive. So his dad being gracious divides the property between his two sons. Not long after that, the younger son got together everything that he had set off for a distant country and squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to the fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. That is a bad day at the office. But when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am here starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy, in fact, to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and he went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. I want you to pick up on this point. But the father said to his servants, quick, Bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost, but now is found. And they began to celebrate. I wanna tell you today, church, three things about your relationship with your father, God. The first one is this, you are not an orphan. Turn to your neighbour and say, you are not an orphan. And why don't you look to the screens for our first movie clip. Here we have Nemo, part of a beautiful community, a family full of colour, full of life, full of wonder, full of safety, relationships. Everything that he could need is around him in this community called family, living out their purpose with one another. And here we have the younger son who says to his father, Father, give me a share of the estate. And not long after that, he gets together everything that he has, set off for a distant land and squandered his wealth in wild living. The younger son, literally, he's got everything just like Nemo. He's got all the resource he needs. He's got the safety of the family. He's living out his purpose in community. He literally has got everything he could ever need in the family. 
And Nemo has everything he could need in the context of the family. But then what happens is Nemo too, Nemo drifts shortly after this into the expanse of the ocean, out of connectivity with the family. And the younger son drifts from the family, but it wasn't his identity to be isolated, it was his choice. He made a decision to isolate himself from the family that he had been put in. And geography separates the two. Nemo is separated by geography. The son is separated by geography. But geographically, they don't become orphans because they're still part of the family. It doesn't matter how far you drift, where you go, where you end up in life, how lonely you might feel, how isolated you might make yourself. In the family of God, you are not an orphan, you are adopted, you're still a member of the family. <laughs> Ephesians 1.5 says this, says God decided in advance to adopt us into His own family by bringing us to Himself through Jesus Christ. That is what He wanted to do. And it gave Him great pleasure in God today. You are not an orphan, you are adopted. Oh, but Lee, you don't understand. I don't have a natural family. I don't have a natural family to cling on to and do life with. Well, good news today, in the family of God, in the house of God, in the place of God that we call home, you have a family who are pleading, contesting, praying on the altar for you to return home where there's always a second chance. There's always a seat at the table. There's always room for you because in God's family, you might be separated by geography, you might turn your back on Him, but God's family has open arms for you. In God, we have a family. You're not an orphan. You are adopted. The son, when he left home, he was in the pigsty, but he was still a son. He was in wild living, but he was still a son. He was in the family, at the seat, at the table, and he was still a son. Where you are doesn't determine your identity in God because you are still a member of the family. And I want you today, church, to erase those orphan thoughts from your mind. Those thoughts of, I'm alone. No, you're not. You've got a family. Those thoughts of, I'm on my own. I can't do this. Yes, you can. You've got a family standing with you. Oh, but Lee, I can't push through this and press through this. Yes, you can. Because there's a family called the church who are willing, pleading, contesting, standing with you, no matter how far you drift or how far you go. The second thing I wanna tell you about your relationship with your father is the father's heart is pursuing you. Why don't we look to the screens for our second clip. Nemo has been fished. Everybody say, uh-oh. He's been captured, he's gone. Who knows where he's going at this point? And his dad, Marlon, is fiercely pursuing, chasing Nemo with everything that he had full of compassion. And we've got this moment in Luke 15 where the son is returning home. And it's like this movie moment, it says this, but while he was still a long way off, he's in the fields at the distance and the father recognises him. You know what it's like because despite the crowd in the supermarket, you can spot your child from a mile away. The father sees him from a mile away and this is what happens. 
His father saw him, was filled with compassion for him and he ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son's father is waiting with eager anticipation that one day in the hope that his son might return home, he's pleading, he's praying, he's hoping that his son will return home. But God's love for us is so much more than that. God hopes that you'll return home, but He is eagerly pursuing and chasing you. God is coming after you with His eyes on you because His love for you is that deep, is that wide, is that expansive, is that when you say you're gonna come home, He's gonna wrap you up in His arms and bring you home. God loves you that much that nothing can separate you from God's love. Doesn't matter what oceans in the way, God will part the sea. It doesn't matter what Goliath has to be taken down, he'll do it. It doesn't matter what person is standing in God's way. God loves you that much. He's pursuing you, he's chasing you. And the Apostle Paul writes this, for I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything in all creation can separate us from the love of God that is in Jesus Christ our Lord. He loves you that much that it's inseparable. His love is indescribable for you. It's incredible. God's love is chasing you down. But there's only one thing that can stand in the way between God and you. And that is your closed heart. Today, church, what are you closing the door of your heart on to God? God, you've got full access to my life, except for my career. God, you've got full access to my life, except for my marriage. God, you have full access to my life, except for my addictions. God, you have full access to my life, except what I watch online when nobody's looking. God, you full access to my life, except my kids, they're off bounds. God, you have full access to my life, except. The Bible says in Psalms 34 verse eight, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed are those who take refuge in Him. Today, church, I wanna challenge you to open up your heart to God, to allow Him full access, because when you taste and see that the Lord is good, you'll find out that the only thing that the world offers is average, is all right, is okay. But God offers a life in full colour. You've been living in black and white. You think it's great because it's all that you see. But when you open up your whole heart to God, you let Him in suddenly you see everything in the full colour of what it was created to be. He's a good father, but do you trust Him? Open up the door of your heart and let Him chase you down with His love and watch the future He has in store for you unfold and unpack. The third thing I wanna tell you, the last thing, everybody say last thing. I wanna tell you about the relationship between you and your father about your father is this, is there's time to turn back. There's time to turn back. Why don't we look to the screens for our last movie clip. Thanks team. People love a good escape plan, right? It's amazing. Nemo here, right? He's been captured, he's in a container, he's in the tank. 
And not only has his life become a vast ocean full of colour, boundless, endless, he's suddenly been confined to a tank. And not just any tank, he's in a fish tank at the dentist's. How many people like going to the dentist's? No hands in the room. He's in a fish tank and he's at the dentist. How much worse could it get for Nemo? But there comes this point in Nemo's journey where he's got these friends in the tank. He's made some new mates. He's getting fed. He's got, he got life pretty easy at this point. But he comes to his senses and he remembers that he wasn't destined to live life in a fish tank. He was meant to live life with his father in community in the breadth of the ocean. He comes to his senses, they hatch an escape plan and they escape, it's awesome. And the younger son in Luke 15 has this moment where he comes to his senses. The Bible says it like this, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare and here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. So he got up and went back to his father. The younger son is living life in a pigsty. He was in the fullness of the estate, in purpose with the father and with the family. But because of the temptations of life, addictions, hang-ups, the stuff that looks good, he ends up in a pigsty. But he comes to his senses and he realises this wasn't the life that I was created for. I've got to go back and be with my father. Have you had a time where you've come to your senses? When I was 17 years old, I used to catch a bus from Cumber, the town I was from, to Belfast, the big city. And it was a bus I would catch for the parties. 17, living a wild lifestyle, trying to search for things that would fill the gap in my life and in my heart. Couldn't find it. Partied more, partied more, couldn't find it. But it was that bus I'd ride from Cumber to Belfast every Friday night. The irony was that when I became a Christian, it was the same bus that would take me from Cumber to the next town on the way where I'd go to church and I'd go to youth group. But one day I jumped on the bus and I was heading to youth group. It's one of the first nights I had made a decision to not go out and party with the guys. I got on the bus and who got on at the next bus stop? The friends I used to party with. We're three stops away from church. They get on the bus and they say, oh, but Lee, don't you remember how good it was? Don't you remember the stories? Don't you remember the parties? Don't you remember how good it was? And for a moment, I remembered and thought, yeah, we had fun, we had fun. And now we're two stops from church. And I have this moment, I come to my senses moment where I realise that's the life I used to live, but that's not the life I was created to live. But my friends are on the bus and they're saying, but Lee, don't you remember? It was so good, stay on the bus come to Belfast with us, don't go to church. Come to Belfast, let's party and let's relive the good old days, one stop away. I'm in this tension moment being pulled one way by my friends and feeling God speak to me to pull me the other way. Come to church, get off the bus. And on the stop, I look my friends in the eyes and I say to them, sorry lads, I'm going to church and I got off the bus and that night made a decision to live my life in the purposes that God had for me. Some of you today are on the bus 
You're being dragged one way by culture, by the world, by what seems enticing to take your share of the estate, squander it in wild living and go on that bus. But God says to you today, make a decision to come to your senses and come into the fullness of what I have for you. Look what happens to the son when he gets home. He receives the full inheritance waiting for him because he comes home, says this, but the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet, bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And so they began to celebrate. Audacious church, there is time to turn back. You don't have to ride that bus anymore of what culture tells you you should do. The expectations, the demands, the pressures, the tension of work, the voices that are saying many different things because all it will lead you to is a fish tank in a dentist and in a pigsty where you were called to live an expansive, large, audacious, faith-filled, fun-fueled life with God that wasn't destined to end up in the squalor of what the world offers you. Thank you for listening to this Audacious podcast. For any more information, visit us online, audaciouschurch.com. We'd love for you to join us at one of our campuses, Manchester, Chester, or online every Sunday, 10 a.m. and 12 p.m. 